What up, party people? It's your host, Lanson Schmidt, coming to you live with episode 14 of the What's Your Story podcast, the season finale of season one. I haven't really advertised that much, but it's been a journey for sure since we started back in March when we launched it all the way up to now in July. It's been spectacular and it's just blown my expectations out of the water. And I haven't really said it much. But I had the idea of just breaking it up into seasons, roughly around 13 to 15 episodes, as I had a list of people that I potentially wanted to have on right back in March and just ran through all of them and just want to break it up into seasons, take a little bit of time to record some new ones, figure out the next lineup of guests coming on, which side note, if you do want to come on this podcast Our DMs are open on our Instagram at What's Your Story 2022. My cell phone number is also 770-686-5063. You can text or call to come on the show. Would love to have you, but I'm getting off of a tangent there. I really just wanted to say thank you to every guest. Thank you to every listener that's come on that has repeatedly just listened week to week, uh, been texting me encouragements, texting the show of just how much you've enjoyed it, how much it's inspired you. That means more to me than you even know. It's the reason why I wanted to start this podcast in the beginning. You can go back to the first episode, the first segment, and how I just talking about everyone has a story to tell and then just hearing some people's stories, really everyone that's come on and just how truly remarkable they are, how they've just brought tears to my eyes giving me a lot of joy, giving me a lot of excitement and just firing me up for life. That's the reason why I'm doing it. I hope that you guys also just can relate to that and that's just inspired you to go out and change the world and to share your story. But uh, yeah, a little emotional as we wrap up the final episode of the first season. Um, I'm not sure when season two will start, probably a couple weeks, maybe a month, maybe at most two months. Uh, Really, like I said, just to split it up get a whole new lineup going, record the episodes, but we will be back before you even know it. And it's going to be exciting for sure what a journey it's been. And as we kick off the final episode of the first season, season one, episode 14, the title of this episode is From Player to Coach, A Story of Adversity. This is truly a very unique story, a very relevant story, and a very Um, just a story that's happened very recently, a lot of updates over the last year, really the last six months, and a really exciting time to have this guest on um, as his story is unique. And there's just been a lot of updates over the last couple weeks. Um, I get to interview a great college friend of mine, Drew Gotchis, um, on the show. We have a great time, share some laughs, um, get really, really deep, really, really vulnerable too. And I'm really just excited for you guys to hear this episode today. Uh, episode 14. If you do like this podcast, please go give us a like on our Instagram page at what's your story 2022. Go give us a follow too on Spotify, Apple Music. Leave us a review would be greatly appreciated. But without further ado, this is the story of Drew Gotches. What's up, everyone? Back again, episode 14. I am joined by a very special guest. This is What's Your Story? I'm your host, Lanston Schmidt, where we believe everyone has a story to tell. Everyone is special. Everyone is unique. And today I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Drew Gotches. Drew, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, definitely. Definitely have a special friendship for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Drew, it's a pleasure to have you on and I'm excited just to have the audience hear your story. I know I know a little bit about your story, but I know some things have happened too um, over the last couple of years and the last year. And I know uh, you just have an incredible testimony and powerful story to tell. And I'm excited just to unpack it all here today. Um, but thank you for, for coming on. Thank you for being a friend of the show too and a friend of me personally as well. Um, but love to just open it up to you. Uh, first question, um, as we, we start, why don't you tell the audience and myself, who is Drew Gotches? Yeah, that, that's, that's definitely a loaded question on its own right there. That <laughs> could go a lot of ways depending on who you ask. Um, but I, I, I get the pleasure of coaching at a school right outside of where um, I get to coach our football team, softball team, our junior high basketball team. I get to coach or teach um, social studies, too which is just an incredible gift to be able to work with the majority of our secondary students in our district. And so that, that's definitely a blessing um, that I'm looking forward to. It'll be my first year in this district and 
Um, have been able to do some summer weights with them, but but I'm looking forward to to getting to know them in and out of the classroom a little bit better this coming year. But yeah, I get to get to coach. I'm a Baylor Bear through and through, like you are, um, as we were getting to talk about before we jumped on here. Um, again, going to be a great year for for our Bears. I think Dave Aranda's got them headed in the right way, and I think we're going to put some puzzle pieces together there. Um, ended up getting both my bachelor's and master's from Baylor, and that's definitely a family tradition as of right now um, with my my parents before me, uh, my brother after me, and my sister trying to wrap up now too. So um, just just an incredible gift to be a Baylor Bear. But yeah, that that's that's a little bit about me. Art. Well, I appreciate it. That's definitely a lot to unpack. And yes, yeah, Sikkim Bears, Baylor through and through. The gotcha is very much a Baylor family. Um, so I think we could probably have our own podcast itself with talking about four hours, me and you, of just Baylor football and the state of the Big 12 and everything. But we'll we'll save that for maybe another time or another podcast. <laughs> with the new, new commissioner of the Big 12 and everything yeah. else. Cer- certainly a lot to unpack there. But um, for sure, and you know, you're talking about being a coach, being a teacher, a new opportunity, which is certainly exciting. Um, and for those that don't follow you, I know I follow you on Instagram and known you for a little while and your Instagram handle is coach a gotchas. Um, so coach is obviously in your name. Um, it's something that you're proud of and excited about has, have you always wanted to be a coach or, or where did that start? And did it start at a young age or maybe something more recent when you got to college? Yeah, no, I did not want to be a coach. Um, I specifically came into Baylor thinking I wasn't going to be a coach. That was not on on my mind or heart um, leaving high school. Went to business school at Baylor, a whole bunch of guys, started doing a whole bunch of math. I was like, dude, this is not, not for me. I'm lost. I'm a fish out of water here. I knew I wanted to work in sports. I didn't know what that looked like. So, you know, I was like, you know what, we'll try out the coaching part. So start volunteering with a private school in Waco. They made it fun because we, we ended up going four rounds deep for their basketball season. So that was awesome. And I was like, let's run this back. Let's do it again. Um, started working with another private school for during football season. Did three years with them. And, and by the end of it, I fell in love with it. And ended up getting to, during my graduate school year, getting to work with a school in Waco where I coached three different sports with, no, excuse me, four different sports with them and was working with our football team at the same time, Baylor's football team at the same time. And so um, just, just love being around the game. And more importantly, more than anything, I love being around the kids and the, I mean, really young men that I get to get to interact with day in and day out. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Um, and as far as like sports goes too, it sounds like a f- football coach or, um, is that, that your current position? Football coaches is, is my primary sport. And then they'll have me doing softball at this well. And so excited to get to coach our young ladies and, and encourage them as they navigate, navigate this crazy world. Love that. It's crazy nowadays. That's, that's for sure. We go on a tangent or rabbit hole with that, but as far as coaching goes, um, you know, did you play football growing up? Um, and then I know you talked about it wasn't really ever on the horizon, but maybe now what is it about coaching that you really do enjoy or, or what do you love about it? Yeah, so getting as far as playing as I grew up, I mean, growing up in the state of Texas, every young boy dreams about playing for their high school's team on Friday nights. And so I played with our local tackle organization, fourth grade through sixth grade, and then got into junior high. And nice thing in the state of Texas, we have an athletic period, so everyone plays for the school. So junior high and then jumping into high school, I got to got to live out that dream of playing under some lights on Friday nights and, and having a crowd behind me. We have, I went to a high school of about 2,200 students at the time. Um, it's, it's funny, Troy's going to be a huge change of pace. We're about 300 students, I believe, in the high school. So, you know, only about a 2,000 student difference there. And so, uh, but I got to see them in action last year and they bring, bring the noise for sure. And that's one of the things I love about it. High school football in the state of Texas is a community event. Um, you have communities that tailgate. You'll see grandparents, parents, aunts, uncles, the whole town. And it's invested in, in these young men and young women who, who invest a lot of time, energy, and effort into 
putting on their school's colors and going out and representing them in a way that that really honors their community. And so that's a neat thing. And I, I'm humbled that I get to play a small part in, in that journey. Because um, as we both agreed a little bit earlier, it's a crazy world. There's a lot of distractions being thrown at these kids. Um, so, so the competing is fun. The winning's fun. Getting better at our craft on the field is fun. But more than anything, watching these young men and women grow into young, responsible adults who a lot of them, when they leave high school, they're going to immediately start contributing to their community. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's funny growing up in Georgia and Atlanta. I mean, we had Friday night lights. I went to a pretty small private high school and uh, just moving to Texas and seeing the Friday night lights and seeing like what you're talking about, just the passion and the competition. And you're talking about honor too. Like it's just so different out there and really a unique um, experience all throughout the state. And, you know, since then play, not play, but uh, have, I guess, traveled to other states too, and have seen high schools from other states and just nothing can compare to a Texas Friday night football. It's, it's up there with a lot of colleges, you know, throughout, throughout the country too, I would say just from the competitiveness and the atmosphere and the, and the passion that's involved. I, I agree with you hundred percent. I'd say the passion behind it is better than almost any D2 and D3 program in the country. Yeah. And, I think if I remember right, we got to go to a game when you were in. Yeah, you, you took me to my first high school Texas football game, which I'll never forget. So it was, it was Midway High School. <laughs> so it was, it was a blast. Did we did we see Midway and Lorena? Did we get to hit both? I, of those? Th I think we probably I think we did hit both. Um, and I went to a couple I know for sure my freshman year, and it was just I mean I didn't have any affiliation with the school at all, but I felt myself rooting for the home team, you know, and just wanted to wear red, white, and blue. Or the team mascot colors, you know. Right. Oh yeah. You definitely. It's definitely a hostile environment for sure. It can, be. <laughs> it can be absolutely, but yeah, just following the players too and seeing where they're all committed and uh, what the recruiting's like. It it surely and is different and uh, probably a pretty special thing to be a part of as a coach. I'm sure too. It is. I'm excited too. We we have a camp that some of our guys are going to with a D3 program in state, and they're they're going to go go compete at this camp tomorrow. So I'm excited to help try to get some of our guys playing at the next level. Hey, there you go. That's, that's awesome. As far as the um, playing aspect goes, it sounds like you played growing up at middle school, all throughout high school too. What was the journey like going into Baylor too? Did you even, you know, in high school have dreams to maybe play at the next level or, you know, around senior year where you're saying, let me try out business school um, or, or something like that. Or, you know, did you maybe want to compete in college as a player? Oh, yeah, that's a great, great question. So I had a lot of aspirations to play in college. Actually, funny story, my seventh grade year, we would have to wake up at 5.30 to get to morning football practice. And I told my dad one morning, I was still dead asleep, but dead man walking. I go, the only reason you're getting me up for this thing is so I'll make the NFL and I can pay y'all's retirement. And so he thought that was pretty funny because he knew our family's <laughs> gene pool and that I wasn't in. So, um, no, I, at the end of high school, I had a couple opportunities to go play D3 with some great programs in the state of Texas. And I looked at it, and it is a full-time job. Um, I have a lot of respect for any kid that goes D3 because there's no scholarship down there. They don't get the academic coaches. They don't get the nutritionists that a lot of these people do. So they're doing it for the love of the game, and I, I have a lot of respect for that. For me personally, I had a great opportunity at Baylor to go tuition-free. Um, and so that, that would have been really hard to pass up. And so ended up going on that opportunity and getting to work with one of the best football programs in the country as a student worker, which really opened my eyes. I got to work under three coaching staffs during my time there. So I saw three different styles, which has um, I, I see how it comes out of me as a coach today. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's, that's a cool story and just hearing all that because, you know, someone I knew you a lot in college, I didn't necessarily know all the ins and outs of you seventh grade having aspirations to play in the NFL. I know we talked about college and a couple offers you had, but that's, that's pretty funny too. And knowing your dad, I'm sure uh, he was ready to wake you up and brighten early. And I didn't know you at that time. I'm sure it was, probably took a lot out of you to get up. It was a bonding. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Not a doubt. And as far as college goes, I mean, we touched on it briefly. You, you coming in, being a business major at all. Um, and I know for myself, college, it's a big adjustment, especially from high school 
you talk about math, for example, high school math versus college math, very different. Um, but when, and, you know, I, I had thoughts to maybe switching majors at some point, having a couple of classes, but did you know kind of right away that business wasn't for you? Um, or, you know, did it take a couple semesters or maybe when did you know as well that, hey, maybe business isn't for me, let's see what else is out there. And then follow up question two, um, you know, what, what major did you switch to and was that difficult navigating all that? Yeah, I, I took pre-cal my first semester and knew that business wasn't for me. That was brutal. <laughs> I had that same class. Yeah. I, it, it was bad. Were we, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. I was like, this is just not me. And again, went through our business introduction classes and we're talking about all these nice professional resumes. And I mean, the whole time it was just screaming at me. That's not you. You, you just, it's, you're, you're just not, you're, you're a little bit more out there than that professional box. And so, I mean, took my personality and ran with that. My next major after that, I became a secondary social studies major and I switched to special education. And then I finally ended up on what I, ended up going through the rest of my time at, in Baylor as, and that was a health kinesiology and leisure studies major. So there were a lot of stops along the way. Junior finally landed, um, was able to graduate in four years. So that was a blessing. When I got to my master's, I, I, I knew what we were doing at that point. So it picked that right, right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. Was it looking back on it now, were those some difficult times trying to figure out like what you wanted to do um, and like navigating all that? Yeah, you mentioned the the adjustment from high school to college, and I can tell you the booth. Well, I can't more because they went in and redid it, but the booth and subway on LaSalle that my parents and I sat down and talked, and I was like, I hate college. I don't want to be here. I'm not going to make it. I have no clue what I'm doing. And we sat down and we drew out my mom's HR professional. She, all the pros and cons things. That's, that's her deal. We sat down and we drew out T charts and we did pros and cons for if I dropped out of school, just straight up, went to community college, military, or if I finished. And obviously, I mean, ended up staying. The best option for me was to stay. But even knowing that, I was like, I don't want to stay. And it was just, again, a huge adjustment. Um, I grew up. I mean, being in Waco, I knew knew a lot of people. Having my family, extended family in town, I felt very comfortable and connected. Then I get to Baylor, and you have a wave of, of 3,500 new people you're coming in with, and you, it's a big task to start meeting new people like that. And so I think to anyone listening, I wouldn't, wouldn't discredit how hard college can be when you start. Yeah. I think really just that stage of life too, where you're graduating high school. And I know we have some listeners too that are younger, maybe didn't go to college or, um, you know, aren't going to college itself and just navigating that stage of life of not really knowing what to do. And myself, I'm 24, even at the end of the day, I, I don't fully know what I want to do like day to day or, um, you know, in two years, five years plans, it can be challenging. I think almost to your point, just understanding where you are in life and what you want to do potentially and where you want to be in five to 10 years is important. Um, it sounds like to you, you mapped out like a pros and cons list with your mom or mapped out a list and all that. And um, maybe like where you are right now isn't where you want to be, but just the hope and the faith that you're going to get there someday, I think is important too, to anyone listening. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I know several friends who First job, myself included, and I'm sure we'll get into that here in a bit. But first job included is they're they're not there, they're they're not there anymore. And they, I mean, they were only there for six months to a year, and they switched. And um, it, it's it's hard. You you draw up this plan in college, and everyone tells you your whole time in college, pick what you're going to do for the next 45 years. Pick what you're going to do, and then you get and you, you honestly, it feels like a failure. It really does. It's like, hey, everyone told me I'm going to do this for 45 years and I'm already ready to switch. Yeah. And so, but. Yeah, it can be scary, but it sounds like, I mean, that's a good lesson to learn when, you know, you're a freshman or sophomore navigating that. I'm sure you can look back on that and be somewhat thankful for it. Um, just understanding that lesson at a younger age. For sure. And I'll along to my students now. Uh, yeah. My, my, who are about to go to college say, hey, 
there's a whole big world out there outside of Troy, Texas. There's a whole big world outside of Midway, whatever. It's going to come hard fast. Be ready, but you're going to, you have the tools you need to thrive. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And Baylor's a great option. Just 20 minutes north, you can tell them. <laughs> great university. <laughs> great university. Yeah. Just so happens to be the best in the world. But like I said, we can have a whole Baylor podcast maybe another time. <laughs> um, um, as far as college and, and navigating through Baylor and, and everything, what were uh, what would you say some of the true breakthrough moments were during your time in college? Would would you say? Yeah, I think think slowing down again. That T chart moment was huge of just slowing down. Let's go big picture. It's so so easy to get caught up in the here and now and in the moment. And again, that ties into a lot of my story from the past year. Um, but I think I, one of my fondest memories from freshman year, one of the ones that I was like, okay, we're going to be okay, is when we were sitting in your dorm room. We just watched Baylor win the round of 64 game. Oh, yes. They were playing in Tulsa. And we're like, dude, let's go to Tulsa. Let's go. <laughs> and so we, what, we booked the Red Roof in because it's the only one that would let you book under 21. We show up to this ghetto Red Roof in in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Watch yep. Baylor kick the crap out of whoever they play. I think it was USC, USC maybe. Yep. Yeah. Then we we drive back. We get back at three or four in the morning. You had an eight a.m. on that Monday, yep. and I, I think in one it's in moments like that, and really that one for sure. Or it's like it's not as bad of a deal as it seems. Yeah. Man, that is such a great point too, um, because I think for myself, it's very easy to get caught up in task, especially in college and making sure everything's perfect and everything's right. And I came in and forgot to have fun for a little bit. You know, I, I, I was similar to you where I knew the fun aspect of college and not to go necessarily down that path and just be cautious with it, that that's available, that I almost came in like almost just very much just, I guess, preppy and um, making sure I had all my decks in a row and studying and almost over preparing for everything. So I didn't go out of the way that that was a great story uh, where, where I think it was what, April or so, and we just decided to go last minute. It made zero sense. We shouldn't have gone looking back on it, but uh, we did because it was an 8 p.m. game and six hours from Waco out in Tulsa, and I did have an 8 a.m., and I was exhausted. And looking back on it, though, it was so much fun, and it was a great memory, and it's just a great lesson to just let the windows down. Like, it's okay. It's okay to mess up. Have some fun. You don't need to be perfect. And, uh, man, what a – Forgot about that story and what, what a great point to, to bring up there. Oh man, that, that was, it was an adventure for sure. Yeah. yeah. Highly would highly not recommend driving back from Tulsa, Oklahoma at, at midnight, but you know, I think it's, it's memories like that. You, I mean, I think there is, I think right now the world's telling boys not to be boys, girls, not to be girls. Don't have fun. Don't be a kid anymore. And it's like, Sometimes you make that stupid college decision. And honestly, if you're going to make a stupid college decision, that's one of the best stupid ones to make. I mean, go on that 2 a.m. road trip with somebody to somewhere to the Bucky's right down the road, whatever it may be, and find your adventure. Don't don't like that box. What's that? That classic movie up adventures out there. Right. No, that, that's such a great point. I think it helped too, though, that uh, Baylor did win that game that we were just fired up cranking music on the way back <laughs> at one in the morning, you know, and we have classes in six hours. So it would have been a lot longer drive home. For sure. It would have been pretty think- down and depressing, but that's good to know that that's some breakthrough. And I think that's important in life is, is to have some fun and to, to let loose, not being perfect, not having a need to just, do everything perfectly all the time and, and uh, live, live a bit, a little bit on the edge, you know, don't go too wild, too crazy, know yourself, which we talked about, but uh, ha- have some fun too at the same time. Well, with that, what I would even add to that is, I mean, growing up in a Christian house, like, like you and I both did, we both knew kind of the, when you go to college, don't you're, you're under 21, right? Don't drink, don't do this, don't do that. And I definitely am not advocating for anyone to break the law. If, I mean, be smart, be smart about it. Um, but what I would say is, like, I know we lived together our sophomore year, right? And one thing I would say, I mean, tell you, tell everyone that's listening, it's like, I was a freaking prude, man. Like, 
I got so caught up in the legalistic part of Christianity, got so caught up in this is right, this is wrong. And looking back, there's so much different I would have done that year because, I mean, you and Ross and Wynn and all those guys who I know you had just had went on, y'all went on to make some great college memories. And then I got so caught up in what, what the right and wrong was that I missed out on a lot of a lot of great opportunities or if I would have just relaxed. And I don't say that to, to be like, oh, look at figure things out. I say that to a tale of caution uh, of things. Yeah. Yeah, and it's hard sometimes as a Christian to um, just follow, follow, not necessarily follow the legalistic path, but it's hard to navigate, I guess, the too much grace versus the legalism aspect, because, you know, we, we shouldn't be legalistic, obviously, but we shouldn't also abuse grace, and that's honestly, too, where I fall in that trap as well, and where I catch myself judging others um, or, you know, saying too much grace in my life of saying, like, oh, grace covers, Jesus saves, but you know, knowing at the end of the day, it's a sin and understanding that. And what I've come to learn too is, you know, I feel like I heard this quote recently, legalism falls when you're judging someone else or telling someone else how to live their life or how to be a Christian. And then holiness comes in with telling yourself how God sees you, you know, calling sin out in your own life. Like that's holiness. And that's just pursuing righteousness with the father. But when you start doing that, I guess, with others, that can be when it comes legalistic, legalistic. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's hard though, especially with the American church nowadays, because you just have the far right with just, you know, very much legalism and then the far left, which is, yeah, grace, you know, just the seeker friendly church, that atmosphere. It's, it's hard to navigate, especially at a young age and growing up in a Christian home. I can definitely relate to you as well on that. I think I was talking to a friend the other day and we were just talking about how the church doesn't call out sin anymore. Yeah. So I think feel like they're they have to be judge jury and executioner they have to call it out and some people are like well if the church isn't calling it out it must not be a big deal right finding that balance of where the holy spirit convicts on that and uh, i'm blessed to be being discipled by a guy right now we're going through second timothy and paul writes to tim hey you have not been given a spirit of fear and timidity and so i think a lot of times when we fall into sin it is comes out of spirit of fear or timidity if I don't do X, Y, or Z, people won't accept me. People won't like me. Yep. All good. I've been given a power or a, a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. So you don't have to sin, but you can go out in power and love and love people well and love people powerfully. And, and dude, Christians need to have fun, man. Like, like there's some people in the church is like, bro, you got to let loose. Like, you need to go dance. You need to whatever. And coming from a Baptist church, that's heresy, but go dance, go let loose, right? Like Christians, we're, we're free. We have complete freedom. Why would we have fun? Amen. That's, and that's a great quote and love. That's actually one of my all-time favorite verses. And I've never thought about it, but can relate to a lot of just sin and, and habitual sin, I'm sure too, with, with the spirit of fear. Um, and just, I think a lot of the times Christians and myself fall into the shame and the guilt as, as well, and just being trapped in that. But it's like what you said, Jesus said, the kingdom is now, you're free, um, and, you know, time is now to repent, and to, you know, the king, kingdom is here, so that's a, that's a great reminder as well, so, well, cool, well, um, transitioning to, you know, uh, obviously, we were in the same high school class, class of 16, I know you went on to get your graduate degree, too, it sounds like, as well, so, did you navigate or have to juggle the whole COVID graduation, did you graduate in 2020, or were you at year after or what did that look like yeah well i went on a mission trip to costa rica spring break of 2020 we didn't have a whole lot of reception down there and we come back and there's not a soul in the dfw board i'm like bro what happened we left and we heard a little bit about this covid thing and we signed a waiver for the trip about covid and we get back and the whole world is so we were like, what the heck? And so I th- I've talked with people about this too, about 2020. And I'll say to anybody who was a senior, high school or college, really any grade in school, but especially the seniors in high school and college, 2020, give yourself some credit, man. Like the whole natural transition process of graduation, that last two and a half months plays a lot bigger role than I think anybody realize he had that trip 
like we, we told our friends we'll see you after spring break and it was gone it was gone just like that and so yeah i would i would tell her i would tell people give yourself credit give yourself a pat on the back every once in a while and realize you did something hard yeah absolutely i need to start asking the uh question every single time on as a guest like what's your COVID story that just needs to be a question because everyone's got a COVID story it sounds like you're on a cruise or whatever you came back and I was the same way. I was just visiting my parents out in, for spring break in Atlanta. And, you know, Dr. Livingstone from Baylor said, yeah, two weeks extension for spring break. I'm, you know, going crazy, running around the house thinking, let's go. And then uh, I get the email the next day, like, oh, rest of the semester shut down. I'm like, uh-oh, like <laughs> there goes everything, I guess. So everyone's got a COVID story, I guess, too, not just a story of their life. I remember seeing you and your dad come back to Park Place. To get yeah. And... It was funny because we didn't have masks at that time. Mask were so it wasn't even an option, or really, I don't think anybody really even knew about the mask. It was that early, right? Yeah, it was. It was definitely a crazy, crazy time. Yeah. Well, as far as the um, life after college and, and graduating that year, um, you know, graduating with the degree. Did you have a job right out of college or, um, you know, were you, were you a coach or worked at a school or what, what did that look like? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So I graduated 2020 with my bachelor's, stayed in, did my master's for, I did it in a year, which to anyone listening, I would not recommend unless you're on one of those five-year accelerated programs I did. Did mine straight up in a year. Um, went on to coach at, the, at a local high school, did three sports there. Um, finished my master's doing 15 hours, 12 hours, and then six hours in the spring. Um, and so a lot, a lot of schoolwork. And I also worked for Baylor football in the visitor center during that time. Following that graduation, I took a job with the school district I was student teaching with um, as it was going to be a junior high uh, football coach and history teacher. Um, and so that's that's kind of where, where my story over the past year starts. And just to kind of give some background before we really jump into that, again, born in a home, um, life's definitely been a journey. I, I was born, had a heart surgery at three, um, just kind of medical thing after medical thing, appendectomy, tonsils, adenoids, couple broken bones here and there, just like any good young boy has, has a broken arm every once in a while, right? And so... Um, but it was just kind of this this interesting the during the heart surgery I had a series of mini strokes while I was under so it created a whole health dilemma of, of mental health and all these different things and so been able to go through my whole life and just kind of walk step by step and I've seen the mercy and healing power of Jesus in that and so um, but even growing up in a Christian home I did not realize I thought I was saved at seven. I really did. I, I was baptized at seven. Easter Sunday, it was a really, really cool moment. We loved our pastor. He was a great family friend of ours. I, I, I had the knowledge of Jesus. I could tell you the, the stories in the Bible. I could tell you the books and the chapters and verses. I, I did not know that being a Christian was a relationship, active relationship, with the living person of Jesus. And so that's kind of kind of where, where our story will go from there. Yeah, for, for sure. So it sounds like raising a Christian home, obviously, and, um, you know, just growing up and getting baptized at age seven, you know, you knew the commandments, you knew the law and everything, but you never knew that personal relationship. It sounds like really till, would you say after college or really in the last couple of years? I would say in the last six months, um, I, I got out to, yeah, yeah. And so got out to that first job I was working. Um, and so I, I get out there and I'm living life, man. I have this, the whole time I was coaching in college, I didn't get paid a penny. So I get out, I'm about to get paid to do what I love. And that's, a, I mean, getting to do what you love is an awesome feeling. Getting paid to do what you love is even an awesomer feeling. And that's not a word, but we're going to go with it. We're going to rock with it. I get out and we go through two days and summer strength and conditioning and seven on seven and life is great and I get a U.S. history class is what I'm teaching and we get to to the lesson of slavery 
which is a very real lesson for, for a lot of our students. And what I would say the town I was in has a history of strained race relations. And so for some of our students of color, it was a very real topic that created a lot of real, real emotional heartache um, that someone would ever treat anybody in their community with the level of disrespect solely on skin color. No, not even disrespect. I'm going to go past that, the, the level of hate. And so we did, and we, I teach a lesson on slavery, and it came off in a way that, that one of the dads of one of my students did not appreciate. And so I, I, I kind of take a step back, and, and I try to evaluate the lesson, and it ends up, I can see it start to elevate. And so my, my first, my thing that's first and foremost, and hopefully I've showed it in this interview so far is that my students are always going to come first. So one thing I did is I, I gave Rob, I gave the uh, school district my letter of resignation. And I said, you know what, I, I'm going to take care of y'all. Uh, I, I just need some help. Let's, let's just get out of this situation. And so we, we did the best we could to get out of it. And local paper ended up writing an article that, that not at all, um, represent what I did in class. And so, um, and, and I, I understand that, that people had the right mindset on it, but, um, some of it was just straight up false. And so, um, we, we get through that and I start interviewing, cannot find a stinking job. I ended up before I got the job that I'm at now, I ended up interviewing at 60 school districts in the, no, not just 60 school districts, 60 schools in the state of Texas. Uh, I traveled out to Lubbock for an interview. I went to Dallas, Fort Worth. I went to Austin, San Antonio, Houston. Some schools would be courteous enough to call me back and say, Hey, we can't because of this article. Most of the time schools just wouldn't call me back period. They would just leave me hanging in, anybody's been following the news it's not like there's a surplus of teachers running around <laughs> it's not like everyone's lined up on the corner hey I want to be a teacher no that's 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 not where we're at so for me to not not get a job was super disheartening and we get to new that happened that whole situation happened late August early September excuse me mid-September mid-September article ran early October we get to late November and I'm, I'm not hitting anything. And I get to the point, I look, I look at God and I say, you're not real. You're not, I got to the point where I was like this, good and sovereign God. That's what you call yourself. You call yourself good and sovereign. You don't have a plan. There, there's no good and sovereign God lets that happen. And, and I go through all of, no, all of late November, all of December mindset. Even to the point where my mom asked me to pray for a family meal we were having near Christmas time. And I said, I'm not praying for that meal. That's not happening. And you want to tick off a Southern mama pretty quickly. You tell her you're not going to pray for a meal, right? And so went through that whole thing. What I didn't say is God was, God was pruning. God was pruning, pruning, pruning. Also, I'm just going to say I was the worst non-believer ever. I don't know if there's any non-believers listening. But if you're, or I'm assuming you're not going to church and I'm assuming you don't fly to Atlanta, Georgia from Waco, Texas to go to a Christian conference. And that was my story. I showed up to church every Sunday. And in January, the, the first, first couple of days of January, I fly to Atlanta, Georgia for passion conference. And Levi Luska, I, I, I was prepared. I've been to Christian camps. I get it. You get that emotional vibe on the last night, right? You start to feel it. We call it a camp high, spiritual high. I said, that's not happening to me. Uh, I'm not getting dragged away by emotion. God said, you're right. You're not going to get dragged away by emotion on the last night. But I'm fixing to rock your world on the first night. Not even just the first night, the very first stinking speaker. Levi, Lus Levi Lusco hops up on stage. And he goes, you know, sometimes you're going to have to go through a famine before you get to a feast. And even if you get to a feast on this side of heaven, what the heck does it matter? Because the feast on the other side of heaven is so much greater than any feast you'll experience here. So why even cash in on the feast here? Famine is definitely a part of life. And I was like, he's speaking to me. I can't get a job. I'm 24. That's famine. And then the next speaker gets up and talks about identity. And then the next speaker and the next speaker. And they all go. And every single one of them had some crazy story 
about how famine or, or poor self-identification or whatever it may be, yet it all pointed back to Christ and, and everything pointed back to him. So again, first speaker, Levi Lusk goes up there and I'm bawling. People probably thought I was nuts. So if you, if you were there at Passion and you saw me, I, I'm a little bit crazy. I'm not that crazy to cry that much on the first, first speaker, but got my world rocked in a way I would have never even guessed. And so the Lord was so gracious in that, not to let me continue my stupidity of saying, you're not real. Um, but, but rocked me and met me there. And he's been gracious since like, I've come out and the sin I was living in, thankfully, a lot of it got rocked over. Some of it didn't. And I was like, dang, this sucks. Like, what the heck, God? Like, I thought this was part of the deal. Like, I surrender to you. You take things away, right? And it has been just a graciousness and a continued building. And one of the guys who got me through this season, his name's Bob O'Dean. He's an executive recruiter. He's actually the one that got, we want to jump back on the Baylor train, got Baylor, Matt Rule, and uh, Mac Rhodes. So he's, he's a great guy, and he's a great family friend. He got me through it, and he was like, he, he, asked me, he asked me three questions every time we met. Does God know your situation? Is it too big for God to handle? And does he care? And for that, I mean, he didn't know my situation. If he's the God of the universe, it's definitely not too big for him to handle. And if he's going to send his son to die on Calvary and raise again, it must not, he, he must care. And so we went through that. Little did I know God was preparing my heart through that to be able to be a resource for Bob. Because we come six months later and Bob's on a, they, Bob's family gets back from a family vacation and his grandson falls in the pool and has an issue and, and ends up not making it. But, but I get to fly in from the vacation we're on and just so happen the first day they're, they're in the hospital, I get to jump off the plane and go straight to meet them. And I get to ask Bob the same questions. And Bob's celebrating my job and I'm, I'm hurting and begging for his situation and every day I drive to work the 20 minutes I'm getting to beg God hey will you will you say Bo will you say Bo will you say Bo God didn't save save Bo but he did save Bo because now Bo's living and four other kids as an organ donor but I got to walk with the family through that and God was just so gracious to say here's your hurt and I had somebody walk alongside you now it's your turn to go walk alongside them and so it's been an eventful six months um, since January of, of just the Lord rocking my world, reminding me of the importance of community, but so much more than any of that of just how good he is, how good he is in the middle of a trial and in the middle of a slander and in the middle of joblessness, in the middle of being 24 and single and living with my parents, that God is so good still in all of that. And he does have a plan, and he's just been so comforting in that. Look at God. Look at that story. So it had me near tears uh, at a couple parts, um, just with the guy losing. Do you say it was his child, or, or who was it? Grandson. Grand, man, so. I can't imagine that, but the full circle of, of God's sovereignty of how, you know, he, he worked with you when you know, you were really hurting. He was right there, was a friend asking you those three questions. And then it's, it's almost like a, a Christian movie, a really good Christian movie where you're, you know, flip-flop asking him that, you know, just that whole sequence of that story sounds just like a really just powerful movie and a powerful story and testimony, um, which is, is amazing. So, and, and just knowing you and um, just before that, I guess, and, and just seeing you now where, where you've come from it, how you didn't let it rock your world is, is, is incredible as in making a side comment on the media itself. Um, cause we all know, I mean, it's pretty much just a product of lies and deceit, um, and just fake news nowadays, just rampant everything. So I'm very sorry that happened to you. And I'm sorry that some lazy journalism happened or whatever happened. Maybe they wanted to spark just, you know, some kind of controversy who knows, but God used it for good. And there's that verse that what Satan and what the devil intends for destruction and evil, God uses for good. And, Maybe it doesn't take a week or two weeks for you. It took, you know, quite a season, it sounds like, of, of struggle, of doubting God, of questioning God. 
but look at you now. Um, but my question, I guess, for you is why do you think God used you in that way? Or why do you think God took you to that point um, of just hopelessness, of just complete, just uh, doesn't sound like depression per se, but just really anger? Um, why, why do you think he took you there? And, um, you know, what do you think you learned from that? Yeah, honestly, I would fall, probably would have fell. I did fall into the depressive category. And by the grace of God, I'm still here. Honestly, and I know, I know just the day and age we're in with some listeners, there's going to be somebody that can relate to this. But I, I was ready to end my story. There was no more what's my story. That was going to be in the story. Um, I, I thought of every way possibly achieve that and there were several times I was close and I thought about thought about it and thought about it by the grace of God I I could come up with no reason on my own to keep fighting I could come up with no reason on my own but there was just something it's not it wasn't a chill down my spine it wasn't some weird mystical feeling right it was just something saying not yet you're not done yet I'm not done with you yet and so we're working through that was um, definitely not by, definitely by the power of Jesus alone. And I had to hit rock bottom from a human standpoint to realize I was already rock bottom from a spiritual standpoint. Come on. And so I, I had this, you looked, if we want to take spirituality as a tree, if you saw my tree, my tree looked watered. My tree had green leaves. It had sticks and brown bark, and it was great. My tree, the one thing it didn't have was fruit on it, and my tree didn't have roots underneath it. So the storm came, and my tree was gone. And the worst part about it being gone is there was no even fruit to lay on the ground. If you look at my tree now, my tree's all of about two feet tall, maybe. Looks like a baby sapling. But I'll tell you, he has anchored those roots a lot deeper than last time. And I go into scripture now saying, I don't know what I don't know. And that's a lot. And so that's why I've sought out discipleship. That's why I've sought out small groups. Because, well, I don't know who has put this narrative out there that Christians do it on our own, that it's us and Jesus. But if you look at Jesus any time during his ministry on earth, minus goes into the wilderness specifically to be tempted. So let's just look at that. If you go by yourself, temptation's going to come. All the rest of the time, Jesus is with his people. He's with his community. And so I need to be woken up to that. I, I mean, it was definitely a, a revealing moment of, Community and relationship with Jesus were, were two things that I did not have. And, and to me, that is that is our root system. Yeah, that's really good. And maybe one of the best quotes ever from uh, the What's Your Story podcast, you had to hit rock bottom from physical standpoint to realize how you're much your rock bottom from the spiritual standpoint. That's that's really, really good. And love the analogy, too, with the tree um, is is pretty pretty just good uh, illustration as well. And I'm curious just from someone who's suffered a lot in the last year and suffered in a multitude of ways of depression, maybe with the mental health, but also just the attack of, of lies of an article being posted that's not true and how you resign from that. And um, there's just so much involved too, the struggle of finding a job. There's, there's just a lot of suffering, a lot of heartache, I'm sure a lot of sleepless nights. Why do you think um, and this is just in general, do you think God allows suffering or allows moments like that? I mean, it sounds like for you specifically to find community in your story, to find uh, the fruit and all that. But what, why do you think, and I'm just curious why God allows just evil and, and suffering in this world? Yeah, I, I think it's not. I do think God allows it because he is. Yeah. That's another question. Does he allow it? That's, I guess, a deeper theological topic. <laughs> he's omnipotent, right? He can do whatever he wants. Omnipotent. He can, I mean, he's, he's in charge. There's, there's no doubt about that. I, I think we have to remember, we forget, we attribute it to God. We attribute bad things to God and scripture. If, if we believe what Paul wrote to Timothy, that scripture is God breathed and we have to believe the whole thing 
God can't lie. And it, when it says no war, no weapon formed against you shall stand. Well, that doesn't say God's forming the weapon, but there is a weapon being formed against us. And that's because of the brokenness of man. And that's, that's our sinful nature. And I think a lot of times we point fingers at Adam and Eve because that's our human nature to point fingers at someone else. I, I joke with people, dude, be honest with yourself for five seconds. Would you live a sinless life? <laughs> Just because you were put in a garden and told not to eat from one tree? No, like we, we would have all done the same thing. But in doing that, we've introduced darkness and brokenness. And so I, I do think God has allowed this is not his, I would also add to that, this is not his domain. The, the enemy is in control of the world. And if, if we haven't woken up to that yet, I'm just going to put out the PSA news alert, red flashing light emoji. Enemy runs the world and spiritual warfare is a real thing that, that the church in America, I'm going to call us out right now, we're not alert to. We're not awake to spiritual warfare. We don't want to admit it's here, but it's here in full force. And so we have to, we have to be ready for that. Cause again, the enemy's here now. God's reign is for eternity and forever. He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. But until we get there, we're, we're fighting a broken, desperate, hurting world. And I think that's where a lot of the brokenness comes in. The cool thing is God gets to come in and say, but, but I take heart. I've overcome the world We're in this world. <laughs> Miles, but take heart i've overcome the world right yep and so that's that's really really good perspective and an important perspective as someone who is a christian or um you know people listening to that maybe don't have a faith of just you know satan is the the kingdom or the king i guess however you described it of this world and and has you know power to just influence us um and you, you saw it with the fall of man but just you know, since then, just the destruction, the Tower of Babel in the Bible caused the flood and all that. But thank the Lord for his precious mercies that are overflowing, um, that are endless, his endless mercies. And he pulls us out of this world because he loves us and he wants a relationship with us. Is It's just, it brings tears to my eyes, you know, many times before and, and probably well in the future too. So that's really good. Well, Looking on the up and up too, I know you got a job, uh, you know, coaching and everything, and you're, you're excited about it. What's what's the future? What's the next couple of years or, or timeline looking for you? Uh, um, and, you know, even this upcoming football season, um, are you head coach or assistant coach or, you know, how's, how's the team shaping up? Yeah, I'm going to be our defensive line coach for mainly defensive ends for our varsity football team. We're going to be running a, a four-man front, so it's going to be fun to have those guys working off the edge. Um, we, we were two and eight last year with a brand new head coach and we're, our, our district is not a cupcake district. We, we have two state champions, defending state champions in our district here. So both frankly, great football teams with even better head coaches. Um, both of them I respect a whole lot. And so we're going to get to have both of them in our district. We're going to play a team from Cameron and a team from Little River Academy who went three rounds deep each. Uh, one of them actually went four rounds. And so we have a loaded district, but it's going to provide a lot of great opportunities for our guys to face adversity. And so, um, well, I mean, any, any of us would tell you we're probably not the most athletic group in the world, but if we do the little things right, we have a lot of chances to win some really big games this year and create create a home field advantage for and they see what Troy Troy USA has to bring, and so that that's the right now future. Uh, I, I do my best. Everybody always asks me, "What's your ten year goal?" And I'll tell them I don't have one because uh, my focus is if I can get my feet where I'm at, and I put all my energy and effort and attention into where I'm at, I know carry myself for where I'm going to be. Yeah. And so, future me if you've ever seen the Matthew McConaughey speech board acceptance speech somebody asked him who his hero was he goes me 10 years from now well that's me I'm just not thinking about the 10 years from now part I, I want to grind to, to better me and it's not for me it's for for the kids I have now for a future spouse that I'm praying fervently for that I hope soon for my future family if you can put all that into the unseen when you finally arrive to that, you'll be ready to rock and roll. Amen to that. Amen, amen. As far as this uh, position, too, uh, 
when did you get hired? Because I know um, I forgot to ask even, did this coincide right? You know, you get in the position right around the passion, like in January, or was it after that? And then what do you think it was that stood out like with this opportunity or why do you think they decided to hire you? Yeah, God got to put me through the fire for, for five more months um, and just really form that relationship with him. It ended up being an eight-month process. So that went to passion January January 2nd, I committed my life to Christ. So uh, that's a fun date for me. And then it was six and a half months from there. No, excuse me, five and a half months, mid-May, I interview with Troy. Well, do they want to hire me or do they not want to hire me? So that goes to the campus principal and the superintendent. So I'll wait like a week and a half to know if they're going to hire me. And the superintendent had me come in and interview with He actually had a, had an opportunity to relate. They had a issue down here a couple of years ago where they were accused of being having a racist hair code because we had a hair drug code policy at the time. That, that apply to every student. Um, and one of the parents thought that, that some of the wording in it was targeted more towards the African-American community. And since then, they've done a good job of being very vigilant and, and trying to right any wrong that may be um, while still maintaining a, a plain professional standard in our school. And so finding the crossroads in that, but him and I were able to relate really well on some of the, well, if somebody would have just listened to us, we probably would have been able to fix this, but instead they go, went, went social with it. And, um, he get we great talk about that. And then it wasn't the end of the road yet. He agreed to hire me, but then I needed the board to approve hiring me. And so we sat on it for another two weeks and waited for the board to meet and got to be at that meeting where they approved me that was um kind of a look at god moment right so it was just this whole thing has been look at god look at god really funny going back to the first school i was at i resigned the day i was supposed to move into my apartment my apartment complex let me out because i did a job so they weren't going to get any money from me that apartment complex i was going to live in on fire Two weeks wow. later. Caught on fire? And so there were just a couple things along the way. It was like, okay, this sucks, but look at God. This sucks, but look at God. Like, it felt like a crappy country song. We've all listened to really bad country songs, like lose the girl, lose the this, lose the whatever. That's the way it was trending. But when you start reading between the lines, you're like, look at God. Look, look at what he's doing. So, that's a really incredible story and just process too of uh, having to get it approved by the board. I'm sure you were sweating and it was intense, but I'm sure it's that point your faith was in a point where you're like, God, if what's the face of the giants quote, if we win, I praise you. If we lose, we praise you. If I get this job, I praise you. If I don't praising you either way. So that's, that's cool. Interview again and again and again. And Hey, if any tips, I did 60 of them this year. So I can 60. That's insane. That's insane. Well, Drew, it's, it's definitely been a pleasure having you on. I think this might be the first episode where I've gotten teary-eyed myself just hearing somebody's testimony and story. Um, I've certainly uh, definitely teared up and just really hit me emotionally, and I know it will for the audience as well. And just appreciate your story and being vulnerable and uh, being just not afraid to go deep and, and share the story of, of how much you were hurt by it and um, going deep with it and just what you've learned from it and just your relationship with God and how um, Jesus has really retaken, you know, your life in a really awesome direction is, is really cool to see. And love to just end it asking you two questions that I uh, ask every single end of the podcast too, if you're ready, um, I'll hit you back to back. First one being, what is your all time favorite movie? And then what is one thing that you're most grateful for in life? It's the one we went to the movies and watched. Greater. Greater, yep. The cow, man. What a story of, I, I thought I overcame adversity. That man was like, bro, I'm a fat, don't have a dad. I'm going to get in shape. And just to see the the carnage and wreckage after he, he crashed to, now there's a scholarship in his name and a trophy in his name. And just what and the whole time he was so faithful to the lord he, then he's like you know what god like i, I want to be at arkansas 
this is the plan you have for me. And it got rough, but he didn't give up on that. And he kept no. working. That, that was really, really just special. I remember seeing that in theaters and uh, I'm really sharing a lot with how much I've, I guess, cried in my life, but I was definitely emotional basket case after that movie. And I think it was this last year, I was just not doing anything and actually was home alone. All my roommates were guys like, Oh, graders on Netflix. Let's go watch it. It's been a couple of years or whenever that was. And I was just as emotional. I've forgotten different parts of the story, but that truly is an incredible movie for people that love sports. Um, and maybe it's more of a low budget film, but really, really good, really, really just uh, powerful movie. Greater certainly is a, is a good one and uh, might hit you emotionally too, if you're not careful. Really, really good movie for sure. And then, yeah, the, the follow-up question, what is one thing in your life you're most grateful for? Oh, man. Um, can I go with the situation that just last year? I'm going to do that. Yeah, situation for sure. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have thought that I would have ever said job loss was, was something I'd be grateful for. And the job loss specifically, just like the brokenness of man and the brokenness of this world, that's not what we're thankful for. We're thankful for the redemptive power of Christ in it. I'm thankful for the redemptive power of Christ in my story. Just his willingness to come back to me and say, you're not too far gone. You're not lost. You're not, I'm here. My arms are wide open and run into them. That's a, it's a powerful illustration, too, of just hugging Jesus and community is incredibly important. Um, I think that's definitely a lesson from this episode and this story of your life. When I, I'm looking at it, it's obviously the adversity you went through, but just how you've learned uh, community is important and just the redemptive power of Jesus um, is, is amazing. So very grateful, Drew, for you coming on the podcast. It was a pleasure having you. Um, and just an amazing, amazing, remarkable story, too. Um, wrapping up this is your time any any snapchat instagram facebook uh twitter like any anyone that uh people can follow you at or you know shout out your social medias if, if you want you probably don't want my twitter it's all all football stuff all the time i'm tweeting but all my socials uh um Insta and twitter are at coach a just um if you have any questions about my story or, or need help walking through your story one of the greatest things i just got to do was walk through a former keeper of mine he called me and said coach i'm struggling if god's real i was like let's go because i just struggled with that so hey I want people to reach out to me if anybody a speaker for an event that's one thing i want to get into next summer i want to get public speaking and so god gave me a short story to share this is not a story to be hidden on my Again, reach out to me through through my social media, and I, I want to share my story with people. So. Well, there you have it. Coach A. Gotch, just give him a follow. He's looking into public speaking. Um, I don't know if we have anyone listening that has a public speaking event coming up, but um, definitely give him a follow, DM him, whatever, um, to get that done. But, Drew, once again, I appreciate it so much, you coming on the podcast. Truly incredible story. Um, it was just a really honor having you on the podcast and uh, you sharing it all. I really appreciate it. And Excellence in podcasting. You found it right here. That was the story of Drew Gotch's season one complete. Put a bow on it. Drew, what an incredible story and testimony and just so many great takeaways. The best way I can describe it, he had to hit rock bottom. He had to go through that adversity. He had to go through that dark, dark period in time in his life to really fully understand who he is and for him who he is in Christ. The patience that's attributed to with his story of waiting month after month, interview after interview, applying to over 60 different schools, and a lot of the times not getting a call back not getting a follow-up interview and even other times getting a follow-up interview going through the whole process but then ultimately getting rejected he had to go through all of that to see the level of joy that is out there right now in his life and the fact that he can just share this story and share this testimony to others to influence a generation to influence people going through a hard time it truly is amazing and remarkable and just a great way to end the first season season one of what's your story um, and as we wrap up, I'm just overwhelmed with just gratitude and thankfulness. Very thankful for everyone that's come on the show, everyone that's expressed interest and has listened and has texted just really kind words. 
um, has called me up as well and just uh, said that it's really helped them in their life and their journey. Um, that's why I got into this podcast and why I felt it on my heart to begin with. And just seeing it come into fruition and seeing from March until July now as we wrap up season one, it just really, really just warms my heart and just really excited for the second season and the third and the fourth and just the future of the podcast. But I want to take this time to thank every single person that's come on the show. Um, Ryan, Jordan, Mac, Kaylee, CJ, David, Morgan, Drew, Mac, Haley, Lauren, Cameron, Wen, Drew as well. Thank you, each of you, for coming on, for sharing your story. Every single one of you had a unique story and has a unique story and continue to share it. I've gotten just overwhelming feedback from each of you guys and truly something special and remarkable and just can't thank you enough. And thank you to the individual listener. Uh, we hit a personal goal of ours of you know hitting over a thousand listens. We're well over that. Uh, which exceeded the expectations for sure. We're coming back full force season two. We will definitely be back soon as we uh, start season two of just having more guests on, having more people share their story and look for that in the coming weeks as I just wrap up the first season and getting everyone interviewed, coming on the podcast, getting the full guest list available. And if you do want to come on, definitely DM on Instagram at what's your story 2022. Feel free to text or call whatever. Um, you know, I'd love to have anyone's story come on and anyone come on for sure. So thank you to each of you. Once again, season one, wrap it up and, uh, just remember you matter, your story matters. So go share it with someone. And until next time, this has been what's your story.